0: So glad you're here again. As uh, we have been traveling, as we've been journeying through this uh, season called Advent here at Centennial Church, I have asked some of you uh, just one word that would best describe this season in our lives. One word that would best describe the season uh, in our lives. And uh, there's been a a variety of answers, of course. And one of those answers was, uh, get this, some of you... We'll identify with this, but gifts. One word to describe this season. This is uh, this is the answer uh, given in my house by a particular seven-year-old. Right, gifts. Even last night, as we're kind of having an early uh, Christmas gathering with my parents, uh, as we're at the table, uh, my seven-year-old, can we open presents now? You know, can we open presents now? That's kind of the uh, refrain that kept coming through this wonderful dinner. Let's get on to the good stuff, right? Uh, some other uh, one-word descriptions of this time. Just take a guess. Expensive. expensive. Thank you, Jason. That was that was actually second on my list here. Okay, <laughs> expensive. And this, Yeah, you don't have to do this, uh, but maybe you ought to think about this. It. It, compare, okay, your December credit card statement with your end-of-the-year giving statement. Hmm. Think about that. My credit card is, always, is already higher than it normally is uh, in two weeks, two and a half weeks into December here. So, yes, expensive. Kids are thinking gifts. Parents are thinking dollars, right? Expensive. The credit card is, is ringing up. Uh, what else? Stressful. Busy, thank you. Yeah, busy, running around, uh, getting things, buying things. Uh, This weekend, uh, I feel like, I'm going to submit this, but I feel like I set a Guinness uh, World Record this weekend. And the the record that I set was going to the grocery store in an eight-hour time span six times. (laughs) I'm not kidding. Six times. Three times to Walmart, okay? Two times to Sprouts, and one time to Kroger on the same day. Would one of you please talk to my wife? And and three of those trips were were on a hunt, were on a search to find maple extract, okay? Maple extract. I don't know who's making all the cinnamon rolls besides us, but quit taking all the maple extract, okay? (laughs) Ridiculous. What else? Descriptions of this uh, season. Family, thank you. Family, joyful, uh, bright, merry. Uh, C.S. Lewis described this time. You know, this is he wrote this probably sixty years ago. I used this uh, a couple weeks ago, but listen to the way C.S. Lewis describes this time. He says, long before December twenty fifth, everyone is worn out, physically worn out by weeks of daily struggle in overcrowded in overcrowded shops. Experienced that lately. Uh, Mentally worn out by the effort to remember all the right recipients and to think out suitable gifts for them, they are no trim for merrymaking. They look far more as if they had been a long illness in the house. You know some of you all look great this morning, some of you look ill uh, but uh one uh one word, one description this 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 may not be the answer, but one word I would say um that gets at the heart of the Christmas season, gets at the heart of Advent and the coming of Jesus to our earth, that word this morning being love, Amen. love. In week one, we talked about hope, we talked about peace, and week two, last week, we talked about joy, and this week, we focus on that word, love, love, and love is a, uh, love's a popular word, and I would say this morning that love is a confused word, oftentimes in our culture, in our Uh, parlance, modern parlance. Love can get stretched to mean a lot of things. We can use it in various ways. I mean, often I'll say, I love tacos, right? But I can also say, I love my family, or I love your Christmas card, or things like that. Love can mean, various things that can be used in in various contexts, but I would say it uh, often is overused, often it is uh, too sappy of a meaning of love or too broad meaning of love, but we are a culture in love with the idea of love. Even if you remember Super Bowl 50, the theme, the halftime theme was this, I believe in love. Now, some people take that in one way, some people take that in another way, but love, our culture is in love with the idea of love. What is love? What really is true love? Well, Tina Turner says love is a secondhand emotion, right? Uh, Pat, Pat Benatar said love is a battlefield. And Shaka Khan says, I feel for you, therefore I think I love you, right? What? is love. And the Bible talks about a God of love, but what, what really is love? And probably, definitely, the most famous verse of the Bible, John three sixteen. 16, uh, the word says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. The basis of the good news, the basis of Jesus' coming is love. Love was the motivator for the Father sending the Son. Love is the motivator for Jesus dying on the cross for us. This is a season where we celebrate the incarnation of Jesus. That is, Jesus, the second person of the Trinity, putting on skin, taking human form, coming to this earth, and showing us what God is like in human form. John chapter 1 says, the Word, that's Jesus, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. The incarnation of God uh, is motivated by love. The incarnation of Jesus demonstrates love. And in many ways, the revelation of Jesus and the incarnation of Jesus, you might say, ratchets up love, the definition of love and the sacrifice of love. And what love truly means, not just in a sappy, sentimental, Hallmark card kind of way, but in a real, tangible, sacrificial way, what love is. We've been looking in this series uh, to define some of these words and to get some wisdom about these words. We've been going, oddly enough, to the book of Proverbs. So this morning, I want to take us to just a few verses that kind of round out our idea or perhaps uh, buttress our definition of love. Okay, so first of all, um, join me in Proverbs chapter 3, verse 12. Proverbs three twelve says this, For the Lord reproves him whom he loves as a father... The Son in whom he delights. This is probably not the first verse you go to in the Bible when you want to hear or you want to know about love, right? This verse says this is not a sappy sentimental love, but this is kind of that that edge of love, that tough love. For the the Lord reproves him who loves. What does that mean, reprove? It means he corrects, it means he challenges, it means he disciplines those he, he loves. And as a child, we may, we may not feel the love of our parents as they discipline us, but that is a real uh, part of love, that correcting love, that reproving love that says, I love you so much, I'm not going to let you run out in the street, and you're going to be disciplined when you do, right? The love that says you can't talk that way because that's not going to go well for you for the rest of, the life, for the rest of your life if, if that's your attitude, so I'm going to discipline you. Love is, is not just sappy, sentimentality, ooey-gooey feelings, emotion only, but love has this tough love side to it, this, this hard side of it that says, I really care about your best, about your genuine welfare, therefore I will give you, in a sense, the hard truth, what you don't just want to hear, but what you need to hear, right? Right? Love has that edge to it. That's what the proverb says. Love is not always soft. Love is not always soft, and love tells the truth. Listen to another proverb. Love tells the truth. Uh, I don't have it up here. Better is open rebuke than love that is concealed. Better is open rebuke than love that is concealed. What is that proverb saying? And I don't have the reference up here. But it's, it's saying to really love someone, you've got to speak the truth to them. You've got you to let them know reality, right? Love is not always soft. Love also tells the truth. And sometimes it's hard truth. Another proverb, uh, Proverbs 17.9. That verse says this. Proverbs 17, 9, whoever covers an offense seeks love, but he who repeats a matter separates close friends. Let me read that again for us. Whoever covers an offense seeks love, but he who repeats a matter separates close friends. What is this talking about? Let's talk about, say you hear something negative about someone who's a friend of yours, or you hear a rumor this passage is saying to, to really love someone is not to pass that rumor along, but it's to cover it up. It's to conceal it. It's to not let that get out and about or known to other people. It's not to spread false things. That love covers things. It, love protects, right? Uh, uh, Proverbs 10, 12 says uh, similar things. Proverbs 10, 12 says, hatred stirs up strife, but love covers all offenses. It says love covers offenses. That means there's situations where someone does something wrong and you take the blame for it. You cover for them. Uh, Peter will say in the New Testament, I don't have this one on the screen either, but Peter will say in the New Testament, love covers a multitude of sins. That doesn't mean you always ignore wrongs against you, but it means for the sake of love. Oftentimes, as if it's something you can overlook, you cover it. You just absorb the insult or you just absorb the hurt yourself, and you don't kind of uh, take it from them, right? You don't charge it to their account. Oftentimes, we'll, uh, we'll hear this phrase like this, I'm going to make him pay for that. I'm going to make her pay for that, for what they've done. That's not covering the offense yourself. That's bringing justice to the offense done, right? The Proverbs here in multiple places say that love covers. Love covers. A couple of years ago, about this time, it was cold, running errands, and went to my neighbor's house, pulled in to the driveway. And as I backed out of the driveway, I didn't realize that my neighbor's dad's classic 56 car was parked in the street right behind me, clearly in the rearview mirror. But in the rush and the hustle of things, I back in to his car right in the passenger side door of this 56, whatever it was, I can't remember. Well, needless to say, my neighbor's father did not cover that offense for me. He didn't cover me. He charged it to my account. And what did I do? I charged it to my insurance account, right? But someone, because of the damage, because of the wrong done, someone had to cover it. And the Bible says that we can love people by absorbing the cost ourselves, by covering the offense. But someone has to absorb the damage. Someone has to pay the cost, as it were. Love covers. Love covers wrongs. A third proverb, or a fourth proverb, I guess. Proverbs 17, 17 says this, a friend loves at all times and a brother is born for adversity. What is this saying? A friend loves at all times. This is saying that, that love is faithful, true, God-like, Christ-like love is faithful, It's not just a a one-hit wonder. It's not just one random act of kindness. But to truly love someone is to be long-suffering with them. Love is faithful, long-suffering. That true love is uh, not just in a moment, but in a relationship that's ongoing. True love is faithful, long-suffering. We've talked in the past as we've broached this subject and uh, how much we're in love with love and our culture, and that word is thrown around. We've talked in the past about the complexities of love, that love uh, is, is not just forgiving, but that's part of it. Love is living in peace with other people. It's having compassion. It's being humble. Love has all these various aspects to it, like a, a fine diamond with, with different sides and different aspects to what love means. And as we celebrate Christmas, as we celebrate the incarnation of Jesus, of Jesus becoming a baby and entering our world, what I offer to you this morning is that in Jesus, in the incarnation, we have the epitome of love, of a complex love, of a multifaceted love. That Jesus would uh, give us the definition of love and in humility come to this earth, make himself human, go through the pain that we experience in in this life, and then bear our penalty, cover our offenses, pay the the punishment that we justly deserve. Jesus in uh, the cradle shows us his humility. But on the cross shows us his humility and love as well because on the cross, as Jesus dies on the cross, he covers our sins. He pays our penalty. See, in the cross of of Christ, we see or excuse me, in the cradle of cross, we see the truth of the gospel that we could never get to God, but because Jesus came to the cradle, because Jesus came to this earth, it shows us that we could never get to God, so God came to us in the form of a baby, in the form of Jesus. The cradle shows us that we couldn't get to God, so he came to us. Jesus in the cradle shows us the humility of God, that the King of kings and the Lord of lords would stoop down, that he would condescend to our world so that we could know him and know him in flesh and blood. And the cross, from the cradle to the cross, we see the love of Jesus. And the cross, we see that God tells us the truth. On the cross, Jesus outs us. He says, you're a sinner. You deserve a cross. You deserve death. He outs us. He shows us that we have fallen short. And apart from him coming to this earth, apart from him humbling himself and becoming a human and taking our penalty upon the cross, we could never get to him. He outs us. He says, you are a sinner in, in, in judgment, deserving judgment. The cross outs us, is in his love, God tells us the truth, but the cross also covers our offenses. Not only do we see the, the truth of God, the justice of God in the cross, but we also see the grace of God And that he says, you've, you've offended me, you've wronged others, you've caused damage, you've insulted me, you've walked away from me, you've rebelled from me. But in the cross of Christ, we see that Jesus absorbs that penalty. He covers us. And he covers us how? By the blood of Jesus, by the broken body of Jesus. The love of God is not just sentimentality. The love of God is is not just emotion and feelings. But the love of God is action too. The love of God is the nasty, dirty, real truth that we've rejected Him, that we've run from Him, that we've tried to run our lives on our terms instead of on God's terms. The cross outs us, but the cross also covers us from that sin, right? And not only is God's love truthful, not only is God's love covering our wrongs, But God's love is also faithful because at the cross he assures us that there is no sin that we could ever commit that would be beyond the blood of Jesus. There's no possible rejection that you've made of God. There's no possible wrong that you've done. There's no possible secret sin that you have somewhere in a closet that is so bad, that is so great that the blood of Jesus doesn't cover it on the cross. Nothing you've done wrong could ever take away the grace of God in the blood of Jesus. His blood covers the worst of things, the things that we've confessed and the things that we have yet to confess. He tells us the truth. You deserve punishment, but He covers that punishment through His blood. And the cross assures us that he will never leave us nor forsake us, that all sins are paid and there's nothing that we can do to earn his love and there's nothing that we could do to reject his love. Every other gift that you will receive this week, you can pay back, probably. Some of you might get some some pretty neat stuff under the tree. You may, you may get a vacation. I don't know. Some, some of you may be treated to great things that don't even fit under a car, but I would guess any present, any gift that we were to receive this Christmas, in somehow, some way, we could pay back. It might take us years. We might have to really build up a savings to, to afford that vacation that we were given. But the gift of Jesus The gift of salvation, the the gift of love through the cradle and the cross is a gift that we could never earn and a gift that we could never pay back. Jesus said it like this. Jesus said, greater love has no man than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. The world tries to define love. The world tries to act loving. But the definition of love, the epitome of love, comes through Jesus and comes through his work on our behalf, coming into this world and going to the cross for our sins. But God demonstrates his own love towards us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Not only has Christ died for us, but Christ has given us a visual picture a visual reminder of his love in the table, in the Lord's Supper that we're gonna partake of in just a few minutes, where as we come to the table, we, we take that bread and we dip it in that juice and we're reminded that Jesus' love was not some ethereal, theoretical thing, but it was tangible. His love was physical. That He, can, he didn't just give us words of love, but that he gave his very life. It cost him his body and blood. That's what we celebrate as we come to the table. God loves us. And I'm here to assure you this morning, no matter what's in your past, no matter what's in your closet, God loves you and he has paid for every sin, for every wrong you've ever committed. And he's done it physically, tangibly through the cross. And we remember that this morning as we come to the table. Will you bow with me? I want to go ahead and invite our communion servers to come forward and take the elements, if you will. Will you pray with me? Father God, I just pray this morning that uh, love would not just be a theme of Advent, that love would not just be something that hangs uh, above our mantle in our homes or um, a word that's thrown around in our lives, Lord, but we would see the ultimate love in Jesus, demonstrated in his coming, demonstrated in his dying on the cross for us jesus we thank you that from the cradle to the cross you told us the truth you have loved us sacrificially and you have covered our sins by your blood and your death and we thank you jesus that your empty tomb testifies that love has indeed won and that death has been defeated father may our hearts this Christmas season be warmed anew with the confidence of your love for us. And Father, I pray that every gift and every joy that we experience in this season would be a reminder of your great love and would point us to you, Father, Son, and Spirit. It's in the beautiful name of Jesus we pray. Amen.